0: when you're in that anxious state, like your visual perception changes. Um, And so I was afraid to drive places because what if I got anxious and then I couldn't really see properly. And now I'm in a car with my baby and then it shifted. So anxiety is like our highly elevated state. Right. And then it just like dropped into this depression of like, man, I don't even know if I should be the one in charge of this baby. I don't think I can do it.
1: Welcome to the Deeper Awareness Podcast, where we delve into the depths of our inner selves, uncovering authenticity and transformation. Join us for enlightening conversations on breathwork, self-discovery, and the profound journey within. I'm your host, Josh Perry, joined by the delightful Hannah Oxley, let's begin.
2: Hey guys, it's Hannah. On today's episode, we sat down with Abby Hildebrand. Abby's story of finding deeper awareness has a lot to do with the birth of her daughter. If you are a new mom or have ever experienced postpartum depression, this episode is for you. Abby has such a comforting way about sharing her story that I know will instantly make you feel that you are not alone in any of this. Take a listen.
0: I remember I was like, I don't know, nine, eight or nine and I watching the news and you'd see someone like getting carted away to jail for whatever bad thing they did. And I would just be so upset because I was like, oh my gosh, his family, what must his family be feeling as this criminal is being carted away? And my mom would be like, I'm not sure we're focusing on the right thing here. And like, not that it's a bad thing to have empathy for the family too, but also like, let's talk about the victims and and the circumstances there. And so it always just felt like there was so much hurt that I didn't know how to like put my heart in all the places Mm -hmm. to hold all of the people who were hurting. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, I mean, I'm a Libra, so the balance, the scales of judgment and wanting to make sure everything is even and that everybody has like the same amount of love and empathy uh, was like, has been a lifelong battle for me, I think. I love that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like part of my weirdness, I think, but also part of my big heartedness, that element.
1: Yeah, it seems like (laughs) such a beautiful gift.
0: Yeah, I think I see that now. Um and have like maybe in the last 10 years which I've come to really honor that in myself and not feel like it was a flaw of mine because I definitely spent a lot of energy in my life not feeling those things because there were things to do and places to be and and people to be for others and Uh, I was really aware that because I'm I'm little I'm five foot two and a woman that I didn't want to show a lot of weakness I had to show how strong I was how loud I was how intelligent I was at all times and there didn't feel like heart could come into that it Mm -hmm. didn't didn't seem like there was a place for both things and now I love that we're like have entered this era of heart-centered leadership and and it's a space that I'm like so passionate about is that we can be heart centered and present for each other and loving and soft. And there's still strength in that. There's so much strength in the softness. And like one of my favorite, favorite mantras um, by Roshi Joan Halifax is, is strong back soft front. And she talks about that, like your the strength of your spine and the receptivity of your heart, mm-hmm. and just that both things get to be there
2: I love that mm.
1: I was doing a grief process yesterday, and a friend of mine, Mary, was resumed she lives in Pennsylvania, and she we've done this once before a week or so ago, and it's from the Francis Weller book I still have to look up the name of the book (laughs) wild something something sorrow and it's it's all about having an apprenticeship with sorrow and really using grief as a portal inward to find your heart Mm. and um Friday I uncovered these wounds And it felt like there were all these walls here. And I was doing breath work with Abby. (laughs) And that like opened some of it. But then the next day I was like, oh, there's still more here. And I could feel Mm -hmm. the walls. And I was like talking to Mary, messaging her, and was saying, this is here, what do I do? And she said, do you wanna do the, she calls them shuttles and I'm not sure why they're called shuttles, whether they're called that in the book, I'll have to read the book, Um, but-
2: I Googled, is it the wild edge of sorrow? Yeah,
1: the wild edge of sorrow. And so there's like these journaling prompts as starters. And she read them to me and I was like, just kind of feeling into what, which one I wanted to start with. And it was my heart. So I just started writing. About my heart, my heart, mm-hmm. my heart. And I got to a place where there was this longing for softness and safety and mm-hmm. in the world. And, you know, this, this sadness that it isn't here. And then I got to this place where it felt like I, I moved, moved through a lot of the sadness. And then there was a question of what would softness and safety look like inside of me? And I could feel this love, like this flame that, that was just raging. It was burning so brightly and it was love. And, and it was like, well, love is strength. Love is softness. Love, love is vibrant and bright. And, and, and the concept of safety when, when that love is burning bright, safety doesn't even compute. It's not. It like boings off it. It's like, nope, not needed because love is so, I don't have the word, rich, expansive. Infinite. And soft. Mm
0: -hmm. I have a tattoo that says love is all there is. And Josh, I know we've talked about this in the past, but my realization, you know, a few years ago that love was the basis for all things. And that even when people act in a way that might be in contrast to how we would want them to, to behave, that really for them, they're acting out of love, whether it's Mm -hmm. love of self or love of protecting something that is important to them, but just coming back to uh, this intention that it's all based in love. And even if they don't know that I can know that for them and I can I can feel that and move on with that rather than trying to like break down and understand why did they do that to me and why was I put in that situation that I can understand that as human beings the core of us is love it's all love. And it is so I mean like love moves cars right you hear about the mothers who will lift a car to save their baby like that's love. Love is so powerful and it's so soft. It's being able to hold somebody who's crying. I held my crying baby. She would cry for like 20 hours, not exaggerating. And I loved her, even though I didn't know that that's what it looked like or felt like that's what it was. It's just being able to be there. And so love has like all these different shapes and sizes and colors and, and strengths and intensities and luminosities I think and, we get to just come back to that.
2: And it's the, the shadow side of that too, of whenever there's fear or doubt or anything, it always goes back to that loss of love. Yes. Like love, love will be lost if I mm. do this and fail. And, you know, all of those scenarios that end up with loss of love, like that is yeah. what holds people back from, living in their truth they're stepping forward or, you know, all the things. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. It is that fear of, of what if love isn't there for me? What's that missing experience that I'm going to, I'm going to not have. Mm-hmm. We get to fill it with love.
1: So when I met Abby, she shared that with me and the parts of me that either hadn't received love love or were needing the love they had the loss of love pushed back on your concept i was like i'll have to sit with that i'm not there yet and was that february
0: yeah probably
1: well after the four so march april um and to now see me as you say that i'm I'm on board now, or I can feel mm. that inside. And it it was those hurt parts, but it also, your big heart taught me. Mm. So welcome to today's episode. <laughs> <laughs> the, there was stuff that wanted to come through before we introduced Abby. Um, but my, like, podcaster editor brain is like, we need to do the intro. <laughs> so here we are. let Introduce- start at
0: the beginning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: okay. So Abby is another, I, I giggle every time because it's like, pause, 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 pause. Um, so Abby and I met in our pause <laughs> breathwork training program. And I always try to think if we had like interaction in the program or just not just but just in practicum hours when we were practicing Do you remember if we interacted like on a Monday night call or a breakout room or something.
0: Probably not because I had uh, my very busy three-year-old in the background Mm -hmm. for pretty much every Monday night call and she really likes to participate. So I didn't do a ton of interacting then. It was more probably not in breakout rooms. I think I just admired you from a distance in our like 180-person cohort.
1: (laughs) So a little... We'll just have you introduce yourself in whatever way feels good for you, like what what you're up to, who you are, and then we'll just dive into some of your juicy story.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, what I'm up to and who I am. I think I'm non-linearly, the word, figuring that all out. And I just turned 40 last week. And I was really, really sick. And so I got to spend the whole day in bed, which was not what I expected. And also was like divinely perfect because I got to just be and pause, um, which is something that I've not given myself a lot of space for in my life until my daughter was born. And then it was like a forced pause, a forced rest. Um, there's nothing restful actually about the beginning of parenthood <laughs> but there was a lot of a lot more time to be with myself and with her than I'd ever had in my life probably or that I can remember. So who I am um I'm a I'm a cheerleader of people of humans and and hearts. I think that's really like the nature of all of the work I've done in my life has been about cheering on the people around me who are really Doing significant things just by being themselves in the world. Um, That has taken the shape of working in corporate uh, companies for engineering firms, helping them build their teams, helping them build their employee wellness programs and learning and development programs. Um, It's most recently taken the shape of a breathwork facilitator in the last few years, which has been just the most enriching and nourishing journey. Uh, on both sides of the scale, I'm a Libra who doesn't really believe in the word balance, or I don't feel connected to the word balance. I feel connected to grounding and centering. So I'm constantly uh, reconnecting to that, regrounding and re-centering and helping others do the same. And I love, I just love, love in all its its forms and shapes so that's that's what i'm up to today
2: and so we always ask people well especially people that come out of the pause breathwork training courses where did you you know we're all living our lives going through the motions and suddenly something happens in our life or something brings us into that deeper awareness that we want to explore more and so for you we we talked a little bit before we started recording about how you even as a kid you just loved everybody (laughs) was there a time in your life where you were able to define that that's that was the answer to everything? love
0: um I don't think it was a hard and fast line like a before and after moment. I think it was sprinkles of it. And I I said nonlinear because it has been sprinkles of it throughout my life. And um, I probably, I guess my, my before and after moment most definitively would be when I became a mom and, and had this beautiful daughter in my arms and was given this space to consider how I was moving through the world um, and I have always been loving of, of people. I think that is, is pretty well known about me and my, in my community, but I was doing it in a way that was like, not authentic to love, but more authentic to wanting to receive it back by like, if I just deliver five more things, if I just prove how smart I am, um, If I, if I can just do a little bit more, do a little bit more, do a little bit more then people will really see that I'm valuable and they won't let me go. They won't shut me out. They won't move me to another city. I get to be and belong. And I think that, that, um, really drove me in a direction where I was just like the busy girl, always the busy girl, always had lots of things on the go. And I always had time to help people could always make time to help people, but there was not a lot of room for me to process things that I was going through. Um, And then when my daughter was born, it kind of came at the end of this like five year period where my husband and I had experienced a significant amount of loss in our world. And it was sort of like all these things that have been piling up just like came slamming into me when I was on the couch with my daughter and had all this space to be. And that's when it it was like really dark and I was really low and really um, out of control. I felt out of control. And I don't know how to be centered and grounded for this little being who's trying to figure out how to, how to be herself in the world. If I don't even know what that looks like for me. And I, uh, I experienced postpartum depression and anxiety. I would have panic attacks trying to leave my house with her. Like you go for the doctor checkups at the one week, two week and so on. And I couldn't do, I couldn't go. My doctor's office is two blocks away and I couldn't leave the house. Um, I would have to be on my, on my phone to my mom. So she could like, she lives in a different town. So she could like walk me up to the doctor's office because I had this like anxiety that people were going to hear my daughter crying. They were going to know that I don't know what I'm doing and they're going to take her away from me because I did not deserve this. I am not good enough for this. I'm not qualified for this. I haven't read enough books. Um, And then my, my, midwife so lovingly named it for me, what I was experiencing. And it felt like, Oh, okay. Now I know what to do with it. Like now I I can see the shape of it and I know what to do with it. And so that is what prompted like, okay, I got to find some tools here because, um, I didn't really want to go on antidepressants or anti-anxiety medication. It just didn't feel right for me. Um, and I have been on antidepressants at other points in my life. And I just knew that for me, it just t- takes me out of my body. And I, that didn't feel like the right path when I'm trying to, again, like help this little being find her way in the world. And so I started looking for alternate uh, therapies and, and medicines. I, I played with essential oils to help us with our mood. We played with changing up our diet. Um, and then a postpartum counselor introduced me to breath work. And like in two minutes, I felt everything settle and come into the soles of my feet. And I felt my heart rate slow down and just like my shoulders dropped down. I was like, does everybody know about this? Mm. Like, does everybody know that you already have a tool inside of your body that can shift how you feel? I don't have to actually look externally at all. Um, and that is, that's is—that's what prompted the journey of like, what is, what is the depth that I can find here? Instead of me trying to spread myself wide all the time and read 7,000 books at once, what if I just like went deep? for a little while mm. and found my roots that way and so that was my really long-winded way of telling you my before and after moment I guess
2: I just I always get goosebumps because it's everybody has that same thing of I feel like especially people that are so heart-centered it's the first thing it's like can, do other people know this? Do other people know how magic this can be? It's like we instantly think how other, how it can help the world, how it can mm. help your family and on and on and on. And everybody, you know, so I, I love that.
0: Yeah. The ripple effect. It's huge.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I always say that that's what I have my faith in is the ripple effect.
0: Mm. Or we love do this.
2: That.
0: Love that.
1: So could we dive a little deeper in the postpartum? because I think that's a relatable piece. And could, would you be open to sharing like the emotions, like how you were experiencing, what, what was that like for you?
0: Yeah. Um, I would say the, the anxiety came first, uh, just the constant worrying. Like I, I was always tracking on my phone, like the diapers and the feedings and the sleep and just like constantly trying to measure anything because I'm, I'm have always been very heady and very structured mind. And like, if I just have all the data points, I can solve the problem. I know, I know I can do that. And so I was collecting data. The whole, the whole first year of her life was just like me observing and collecting data and reading the books and trying to solve the problems of why is this child crying all the time? And, avoiding this question that would like creep in where it was like I think she doesn't really like me she doesn't really like me she doesn't want to be here and I know now that that's not what was going on but at the time you have this fear that you're like this being chose me and came down and she was like dang I made the wrong choice Mm. and that's terrifying it's a Mm. terrifying feeling and so wanting to be good enough for her wanting to be good enough for my husband I didn't want him to think he'd made the wrong choice in choosing me to be the mother of his children. I didn't want his family to feel like that and to question my ability to parent. And so I was really anxious and like constantly spinning out about how to do things better um, for her. And why, why wasn't I good enough to solve, you know, the mystery of this crying baby and, taking her to, to doctors and specialists who also they they couldn't really solve it either. It was like, well, babies cry. And I just couldn't get on board with that. I just couldn't get on board with that. And it did turn out to be related to her digestion. She was really uncomfortable, but nobody nobody saw that. Um, which also just like in, in the aftermath of reflection, I could see how strong my mother's intuition was but I didn't know that's what it was I thought it was like again me just failing to solve the problem but now I know that oh okay I was I was persistent in my search for an answer because I knew there was something else that wasn't connecting Um, so that I would say the anxiety really like took over especially the first six months of her life was just was that anxiety and like not being able to go to social events because I Panic that she was going to cry. People were going to look at us. They were going to know I'm failing. I'm not doing this right. And getting like really sweaty and my heart racing and feeling like I can't make decisions. I can't see when you're in that anxious state, like your visual perception changes. Um, and so I was afraid to drive places because what if I got anxious and then I couldn't really see properly? And now I'm in a car with my baby. And then It shifted. So anxiety is like our highly elevated state. Right. And then it just like dropped into this depression of like, man, I don't even know if I should be the one in charge of this baby. I don't think I can do it. I don't think I should be responsible because I don't know what I'm doing. And she clearly doesn't think I'm doing a very good job either. I'm putting a lot on Elizabeth, which is unfair because she was just a baby trying to find her way. Um, And I know it now, like I can see it now and, and have a lot of sadness about the way her first year was spent on my end. Although on her end, she is like the most loving, the most resilient, the most social kid, despite us not really socializing, especially since she was born December 2019. I was so anxious the first few months of her life that we didn't do anything. Then finally, I'm starting to feel like, okay, maybe we should go to like mommy and me groups and meet other moms. And then, you know, this global pandemic hits and it's locked down. And so, never mind, we're not going to do that. Um, so, she didn't have a lot of social opportunity in the first little bit of her life, but it didn't stop her from being the most people driven little, little being. Cause like, we'll walk into, uh, you know, the grocery store and she wants to hug the security guard as we walk (laughs) in. that's the kind of, of person she is just naturally, um, which is cool to know that like, that's just her. I didn't do that. That's just her. She came out like that. Mm. Um, yeah. Does that, that kind of give a picture of, the anxiety state, the depression. I think depression looks different for a lot of people. For me, it was like I was tired a lot. I uh, felt a lot of apathy. I didn't know how to participate in things. Um, And my husband is like the most incredibly supportive partner that anyone could have asked for. And I know that he experienced his own version of that as well. And still he was able to, you know, really like show up for us and sit down with me and say, Hey, what do you think about us? Like finding some external help, like a counselor or something to just help us work through what's going on here. And so that, that prompt really shifted like, Oh yeah, we're allowed to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Did you know we're allowed to ask for help? And I, it, it hadn't. I thought I was. I thought I was responsible for solving it myself. I didn't even include him in the solution process necessarily because I thought I'm the mom. I should know how to do this. But that moment of being able to ask for help and having it be like uh, successful in the ask. I asked for help and I got it. it was like there's a whole community of people who want to help. And maybe they don't know what to offer, or maybe they don't know that you're struggling because you're working really hard to keep this, you know, facade that you've got it all together. But I think most of the time, human beings want to help each other.
1: Do you feel like there was a fear of asking for help? Because I I feel like as a man, that's present for me and Mm. some, you know, some of it societal or whatever, but for a mom feeling like you needed to have the answers somewhere along the way you picked up on that belief. Right. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: then was there resistance? I mean, what an amazing husband that was like, Hey, I bet there's (laughs) some, some of these people out here with, maybe we can ask them.
0: I don't know. Let me think about it. And by think, I mean like feel into it. I think I didn't feel afraid to ask a stranger for help, actually. Mm -hmm. That felt fine to say, to reach out to a counselor and say, I'm really struggling and I know there's some tools out there for me. I think it hadn't occurred to me that I could ask for help because I was so wrapped up in feeling like I needed to be the one to fix the problem. Um, because I must be the cause of the problem. She grew inside of me. Um, so I think it just hadn't occurred to me that that was even an option to ask.
2: I love that example of, as I bring this up often in our episodes, but the masculine and feminine energy of your husband coming in to be that structure of like holding you, in any part of you that's present at the moment, like he was just like, let's, let's, you know, let me hold mm. you, let's figure out a solution together. Like and that's so beautiful.
0: I heard this, I can't remember where I heard this. Um, but it was they were talking about the definition of of the feminine and masculine and the feminine as the warriors. And the masculine as the protectors, as our shields. And so like, actually we are so much stronger and we can fight these battles and it's, it's you know, our men coming in to help support us and be that structure, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's many interpretations of it and it looks different for me every single day, but, but definitely that has been uh, our dynamic as my husband is like on the more shy side, I would say. And I'm not, but he is the like backbone of us. Like he Mm -hmm. keeps us strong and steady and I keep us moving forward and maybe a little bit more open to experiences.
2: The metaphor I love to use, and Josh is probably sick of me here talk about this, but the um, feminine being oatmeal, like it's formless. It can be messy, Mm. whatever it's warm, but you know, messy and gooey and all these things. And the masculine is a bowl. And so a a bowl without oatmeal is just a boring old bowl. But when you, (laughs) an oatmeal without the structure is going to fall all over the place. But when you have the two together
0: holding, it's just a beautiful bowl of oatmeal. Mm. And how wonderful to even like bring that inside internally and just think that like we hold the bowl and the oatmeal in ourselves. Mm -hmm. also right and like when do we need to lean a little bit more into the structure and when do we need to lean a little bit more into like the messiness and the warmth of that
2: exactly because masculine and feminine doesn't necessarily need to be man and woman yeah It's, it's each within us and it can be
0: in within a relationship and yeah yeah I think too I had spent so much of my life being the the masculine the bowl and the structure that like when when faced with these big feelings um, from my my beautiful being, I didn't know how to like flow with them. I was like trying to contain them and, mm-hmm. and fit it in a box and give it a diagnosis and give it a solution so I could like cross it off my list and move on. And that has been the part of the journey of like finding that more feminine flow receptivity uh, and just like allowing the allowing of it all without Mm. having to solve it. Um, I would go into conversations with friends all the time where like they would want to vent about something. And I was like ready with 25 solutions. And then now I'm like, oh, that's not what people are looking for. Sometimes, sometimes they are, but often it's like, I just need a space to be. Mm -hmm. And now that I've uncovered that for myself and I get to be that space, oh my gosh, it is the best, most nourishing thing in the world to be able to just like be the bowl and like Mm -hmm. use it in a different capacity without trying to solve it. But just like, let me just hold this for you because it's really heavy to be a human. And I'm, I got it right now. I can hold it for you.
2: Mm -hmm. And allowing on the opposite, allowing for, to be oatmeal. Like I find it so hard to be, to allow for messiness and gooeyness and, you know, being ugly or be whatever it is. Cause that's all that, um, that, uh, goddess always comes to my mind. I can't think of her name. Um, Kali, you know, the goddess mm-hmm. Kali, she's like ugly and has all these skeletons, chaos
0: and destruction. Yeah.
2: She is like really spicy oatmeal.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's and actually like- my niece's nickname <laughs> because she is, she's spicy and she's like, uh, yeah, she's a fiery little soul also and her and my daughter together are like it's a <laughs> we have this photo at my brother's wedding when they were they were like maybe one and two or two and three and they're on either side of the family there's like the lineup of the family and they're on either side like literally lunging at each other in this photo these two little little fire beings um and it's just so wonderful to see that fire because i think um at least in my generation, it was like you as a woman, you don't do not be fiery or you're gonna be a bitch. And you're it's hard to receive. And so I'm now just like so excited by her fire that we get to nurture that and like let her burn her way through the world because she's doing it, like Josh, to your to your earlier image of this love flame. Like that is her. She mm-hmm. is like all fire and all love. I love that so much. Yeah. I want to be her when I grow up.
1: (laughs) So I've been feeling into being held by God or source. And the, uh, so that bowl analogy still applies. If I'm the messy oatmeal and God is the bowl. And my um, journal prompt today was around how can I trust in the divine more? And Mm. like this image of floating on water on my back. And if if I'm still and just allow myself to be supported, I'll actually float to the top. But if I panic at all, then I'm flashing around and, start sinking and I feel like for like 50 years I've been flailing around trying to control everything and how can I just have so much peace inside to just soften and just be held by the water
0: yeah I hear that that resonates I think my doer self was really driven by that flailing control and needing my environment changed a lot when I was little. We moved a lot. We moved to a different country. I shared before we started recording that I was so trying to control my environment that when my mom moved us from Washington state up to Canada, I thought she had just paid everybody to tell me that it was a different city when in reality we hadn't actually moved because that's how much I was like, I need to be in control of the situation. Mm. Um, And I thought that was the way to succeed in life is like, I could, Oh, if I could just stay ahead, then, you know, the story back here can't get me or the pain from it can't get me. And if I just control the variables, then I get to determine the outcome. Uh, But that's not actually how life works. And And that the last like five years, especially just realizing like all of the good things that have come in my life have come as a result of me relinquishing control. Like my daughter getting pregnant, that happened when my husband and I said, maybe we can't have kids and that's okay. We have a really good life. Let's just like go on an adventure. Uh, And then, you know, three months later, we're pregnant and even meeting my husband, was like me trying to fit my life into this mold and then realizing like, I don't really, it doesn't feel good here in the city, in this job. I'm going to go do something totally the opposite and go work at a fishing lodge in the woods. And then I meet this like magic man who was like, so solid in who he was that I was like, how do you do that? Mm. How do you just know that? How do you know that about yourself and act in that in- level of integrity? And he was like, when we met, he was 23, he was a baby. I was like, I I know 40, 50, 60 year old men who don't know that about themselves. Uh, and that, that was me just letting go of control of just like, I'm just going to go play in the woods and it doesn't really matter what happens. Cause I'm in the woods and, Everything good happens in the woods. So <laughs> uh yeah. So really feeling into my oatmeal oatmeal phase. I'm gonna keep that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I
2: love all of that. When you let go, that's when when you surrender and trust, it's when that magic happens. Yeah. And, and what's frustrating is that for me, I feel like I have to learn that lesson over and over and over again. That's the beauty of life.
0: And what I think is cool though, Hannah, is like you and you're learning it again and again, you're really just like taking it a layer deeper each Mm -hmm. time, right? You're not learning it new. Mm -hmm. It's like, just, I see like all the layers of the earth, right? And just like all these beautiful colors of sediment traveling down. And that is like the tapestry of you, which is just so cool.
2: I love that. Well, and I was even thinking, and when you were sharing your story about, um, you know, cause you were in such a dark place, I find this is so similar to so many people's stories when they're in that dark place, when they're like, why am I here? Or like, what, what is the point of being here? And then in hindsight, you can look back where you were able to talk to your intuition so much more and, yeah. hear yourself. and like, that is such a gift to, and so do you find gratitude for, Being in that place and finding... Oh yeah,
0: I've I have appreciation for every moment of my life, like like hard or good, you know, beautiful and easy. It it's all brought us to exactly this moment right here. And there was a long time where I had, you know, stuff happen in my childhood that I really like worked hard to deny and like I will not be my story I'm gonna show everybody that just because this happened it doesn't mean you know xyz but it's like actually that's part of who I am too and it's part of why I'm loving and it's part of why I'm silly and part of why I read books all the time it's like they all made me part of who I am today so I have no um animosity towards any moment in my life. Absolutely there are pieces I will choose not to relive again if I can, but I feel like I've learned the lesson from them and can move forward. I see us spending a lot of time, us like as, as human hearts on, on the why of it all. Like, why did this happen to me? Why am I like this? And it, it kind of doesn't matter because we are, we already are. We already feel the feelings. We already are where we are in life. It's like, okay, how do, how do I allow the feeling and move forward from here? And like, just take one more step. And that's what I was thinking of when you were speaking. It was like, even as dark as it was when I, when I had postpartum depression and when I've had depression in the past, as dark as it's been, there's always been a voice that has said, but this isn't where it stops. It's like, it's going to be dark and it might be dark for a little while, but we're going to we're going to breathe again. We're going to get our head above the surface. And, and that journey below the water to, to above the water is really hard. Like that's the most effortful part when you're, you know, sinking and you have to get your head above water. But if you can just get your head above water, then we can just like let, let ourselves float for a moment and then we can start to swim. We don't have to like catapult from from below these depths into the sky. And, you know, there's lots of like lingo in the, in the world and the transformation space about quantum leaps. And I think that's incredible that people are having quantum leaps. I I can't even fathom what it looks or feels like. And also it's not really what I'm here for. I'm here for like the small steps and the pauses and the holding space and like just allowing things to move slowly if that's what they need. Um, and that really became apparent to me when I became a mother it was like that I could slow down. I could, I could be slow and I could go deep and I wasn't going to miss anything. You know, everything was going to be exactly as it needed to be. Whereas like my six-year-old <coughs> self made a list of all the books I wanted to read before I died and then had a full panic attack, because I realized that, A, I probably wasn't going to get through all those books, and B, every year that I got older, more books were going to be released that I wasn't going to get to read, and so it was like this realization that time is like not on my side when it comes to reading every book I I wish I could read, to now, like, so I read a chapter here, and and I put it down, and I pick up another book, and I read that chapter, and that's okay, too, like, I get to pull together all of these like, like stars and kind of form my own constellation from my experience. But I don't get to do that if I'm moving so fast through the sky that I don't even see them. I love that about the books.
2: Cause I, and I talk about this too often about how the books that you need in the moment somehow find their way to you. And so that's so perfect of that pattern that you were describing. It's like, I have to get all these books done. As soon as you let go of that control, the exact book you need, the exact words you need to hear come to you the following day.
0: Yeah. And they, they won't, if you're not listening, if you're like moving so fast that it can't find you. Mm -hmm. So I think that is like giving people the space to pause is so valuable and so needed in a world where we're just like, Constantly moving to the next thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's coming up for me? Um, a couple of weeks ago, I did a breathwork session, and at the end, I had this image of a tattoo on my forearm, and it said "mine," and that's come to mean a lot of things for me. Um. Mm-hmm but what is really standing out right now is this idea of my journey. And I was just thinking about the belief system I was born into where religion had dictated and defined all of the answers for me. Mm -hmm. And it eliminated my journey. It was like here, live this instead of like blank slate. Discover your journey, and I can see why, like parents, as parents from from the human perspective, we want our children to be raised so that they have the benefits of this world, and they have success, and they have um, ease, and so it's a beautiful, loving place where that that's uh, coming from, and also it can negate like life from happening, and the. I, I've been looking at all the struggles that I've gone through and the, the beautiful strengths that I've developed because of this struggle. And so if we see it from like a soul perspective that my soul came here to discover and to live and Abby, to your point, it's not about like as fast as we can get to get over there and we miss the whole point. And so I can feel just, even today, this, this new realization of mine, my, my journey, and Mm -hmm. that mine gets to be mine. And society kind of has a definition of what it should look like for everybody. And then we try to cram ourselves into the cracks of like, do I, do I look right? Is, is this society, is this good? And then it's like, I don't even know who I, who I am because I've become a version of me that is is like this deep and i and i used to say i used to feel like um in blockbuster video they had like the video or the actors the cardboard cutouts and as long as you look from one direction you're like yep that's han solo all right <laughs> as soon as you go around the back you're like what the hell it was like it's a- just
0: cardboard <laughs>
1: so i felt like that's what i was i had no depth because i had put on this facade to show the world and i was like holding it and i was like don't look no stay! no you got to stay in front of me because here's the image if you try to go around i'm afraid of what you'll find
2: yeah yeah that's really real showing up in the full 3d now (laughs)
1: It's the it's the oatmeal. It's the mess.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That that's the humanness of that we're all desiring. That depth, that richness that that is inside of us. And if we're so afraid, as a society, to go inside, because I I've asked a few people, because I've been on this inward journey, and I'm not trying to accomplish. I'm not. My goal isn't success. It's what the hell? What else is inside of here that I didn't know was a gift? And, and that was so beautiful and amazing. And when I discovered, I'm like, did you know, this was inside me. Hmm. And so I've asked friends, I'm like, what, what's your hesitancy to look inside. And they, and it was the same for me. It was the, I'm afraid what I think is inside will be confirmed that Hmm. this piece of shit, this brokenness, this, not worthy, this no good will be confirmed if I look in there because I can feel the feelings of unworthiness. So it feels like if I go inside, that's exactly what I'll find.
0: Mm. I had a conversation with my father last week. Um, and we don't do small talk. My my father and I, we there was a time in our lives where small talk was kind of the only safe safe way to proceed and now we just got to a point where it's it's like who cares um but we were talking about this feeling some people have himself included that they're just like inherently have these bad parts and he was talking about you know as a child this compulsion to lie and steal and he didn't know why He didn't know why he had this compulsion to lie and steal, but he, he did, he would do it and then not feel any better after he did it. And my argument or my, my response to him was that because of like the lying and the stealing was ultimately to receive something else was like, you wanted attention or love, or you wanted someone to even reprimand you because then they cared enough to at least want to try to change the behavior right like just this proof of love and again, you know that love is all there is concept uh, coming back to that and he was like, but you know I would lie and I would steal and I wouldn't feel any better so I think I'm just bad and I just like to do it and I said or or you just didn't get what it was that you were looking for and so you continue to do it but I really just struggle with this notion that people are born with these bad parts inherently i just don't think that's so i would say like maybe there's like a minuscule percentage of somebody who's born without the ability to recognize good and bad and, and understand morals but i would say most of the time we want to be good be loved be safe and and be seen that's ultimately what we're all you know here to do for ourselves and for each other and on this journey I remember, you know, at one point before my husband was my husband, us like walking down the streets of Vancouver and, and this homeless woman was stopped and and talked and telling us her story. And we walk away and he's like, people just want to share things with you. Like what don't, he said something along the lines of like, don't be so naive. They might be trying to scam you. Mm -hmm. And I just was like, that hadn't occurred to me that a scam might be taking place. It was more like there was a person who wanted to be heard and I have ears, so I'll hear it. (laughs) And I, and I thought, you know, like, Oh, should I be a little bit more guarded? Should I, you know, assume that I'm being scammed, but more often than not, it works out in my favor that I'm not that, that people just genuinely want to be seen heard and felt and so if I can do that and and have the fortune of staying safe in this you know part of the world then I'll do that for as long as I can
2: I resonate with that too it was when I was younger I, I don't know I was probably like seven or something but we had this my mom had a second cousin who we never saw and he was visiting and he was this like biker dude and he had this long beard and um so my mom was just shocked like when we went over to visit I just like ran over to him and I was just like enthralled by him and I'm like okay I'm afraid that she's not gonna have that lens of like okay this person you know could be you know who knows like you see a big group of biker guys and so the same thing like being a little concerned with how friendly I can be. And, but I, I feel the same way as you, like that, that's never the stuff. Def- I've definitely got myself in a, some funny situations, but for the most part, this it's why would I want to hold back all of that love that I have for mm-hmm. the world?
0: Yeah. I want to err on the side of trust and faith and love mm-hmm. that it's going to work out because I think the the people who come into your world also want that too. Right. And, and we might get burned. Um, but I, yeah, I just think more often than not, it serves. And I see it in my daughter, like during, during the pandemic, you know, there's a park by our house where people would go and they would, you'd see their little like family units all, all huddled around the park and, my daughter, as soon as she could walk, she was like running to each, you know, everybody's picnic blanket to meet people. And we're at a time where we're telling like, you know, don't touch, don't touch other people's food and stuff and don't let them breathe on you. And, and she just is like, I don't care. There's a human over there. I want to interact. And, and she has no fear when, when it comes to people. And I think that's really cool. I think it's really cool that she gets to feel that safety and this like full expression of herself. And she's not trying to like fit herself into any kind of mold. And I certainly don't want to be that for her. She's clearly learned from you to just keep sharing that love. Yeah. And inadvertently, I think it wasn't an intentional lesson because like my husband and I would be baffled, like, where does she get this from? And and then we see like, oh, yeah, I guess we do do that. But it's like she's this magnifier where she's like, I see that you want to have a conversation, but I want to hug. And so she just <laughs> wants to like get in your space. Um, we're working on like the dog boundaries. Because <laughs> she also like she grew up with a big dog. And so she has no fear with dogs. And we're like, we got to ask. We got to ask. We got to check in with the dog and make sure the dog feels safe. So she doesn't ask the owner if she can pet the dog. She gets in the dog's face and is like, "Can I pet you? <laughs> like, I want to check in with you, and see how you're doing." Oh
2: my yeah. gosh! I want to meet Elizabeth. She amazing.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's pretty. She's pretty dang cool. I'm like blown away by her every single day.
1: So, let's pivot just a little bit. Um, to breath work for you. So you you mentioned you spent a couple minutes in the whose office? The nurse, the doctor? Oh
0: my postpartum counselor. Okay, yeah. yeah.
1: And so from there, can you just guide guide us forward?
0: Yeah. So when she, she gave me just like a couple of, you know, box breathing and, and uh, really simple breathwork tools. And so I went home and in my true learner self wanted to get all the books and do all the research on it and came across um, a breathwork facilitator out of California who he practiced like holotropic uh connected conscious breathing where you like kind of work yourself into a hyperventilative state and I did his program um just as like a participant not as is the teacher training and it was really powerful in shifting some things but I felt really unsafe in the process um so then I started to look for like I didn't feel unsafe in my counselor's office so there's got to be a different a different way in um and then came across Samantha Skelly who sorry, runs, real yeah.
1: real quick, just because we know what you mean by unsafe. Do you mind mm. just spending a moment there? What, yeah. what did that feel like for you?
0: It felt like that out of control feeling where I had, you know, brought really big emotions and experiences to the surface things that had happened in my past things I was feeling in terms of you know not feeling worthy as a parent as a wife as a woman in the world um feeling just empty like these sobs coming out of my body were just like I could I felt like someone was like scooping all of this stuff out of me but then also in the scooping it was just like there on the floor the mess was there and I didn't know how to come back from that and Mm -hmm. so that's the part that felt unsafe is like how do I then like pick myself up and go back to being the mom and the wife and the person that was the piece that felt unsafe to me It's like I'm exposed I'm raw And now what do I do? Now I'm just bleeding and my intestines are out and I don't know where to go from here. I'm not a doctor. And so looking for a tool where I could still access that emotional healing, but maybe in a gentler way, maybe it's like I I can bring it to the surface, but I feel also empowered to process a piece of it or to maybe not uh, today's not the day for it. Um, And that's the point at which I came across Samantha Skelly's work uh, with the pause breathwork facilitator program and did a couple of her, her free sessions. Um, I really liked her energy. I resonated that she was, you know, basically she worked at a restaurant that was right across from the office that I worked at. And so I was like, I've, I know that life. I've seen it. Um, And the way she offered like sips of healing felt so attractive to me. Like, okay, I can handle that. And if I can handle like this sip, then maybe I can take like a bigger sip next time. And then maybe I can have a whole glass of it next time. And that felt like a much safer approach for me. There are people that I know that like that big emotional release, that is what they're looking for. And that has been really transformative for them. And I think that's beautiful. And what I love about breath work in general, as, as a somatic practice is that there's like a whole spectrum of ways in. And so like we all breathe all day, every day, And it's, it's not, it's not foreign. It's not unfamiliar. It's just like finding a different path in. Um, And when I found Sam's work, I, I had never thought about being a facilitator that was like, not even in my mind, I was on maternity leave and I was going right back to the engineering firm uh, at the end. And then I wanted to deepen my practice. So I studied more. I studied with another um, group of women out of Bali and that really helped me gain an understanding of the anatomy the physiology the biology of the breath and again like I'm a learner I need to know all the pieces I like to see the shape of things Um, and so that was really helpful in laying the foundation for me and then someone I knew was struggling and I shared you know some of the breath practices that I had learned and in that sharing was like oh hey, maybe this is part of my journey. I get to share this knowledge. Like I don't have to keep this just for me and just for my family. I could actually like help other people find their own way in. And so then I took um, Sam's Pause Breathwork Facilitator Training and it was incredible. It was an incredible six-month journey that feels like a lifelong, you know, like that six-month container felt like I don't really remember the me before that uh, and I know there's so much to learn continuing on and I continue like every day I'm learning something new about breath work or about meditation or about you know um, parts work or Hakomi different mindfulness practices that I can incorporate into the somatic experience and somatic facilitation for people somatic being the body and how our body experiences things as a person who spent a long time like trying to think my way into and out of i now get to feel and that is like propelled my own journey just allowing the feeling the soma to be the speaker um so that's my that's my breathwork journey as of today <laughs> tomorrow <laughs> it might look different yeah
1: well, I want three more hours with you, but Okay.
0: <laughs> Just kidding.
1: Um, so how can people work with you?
0: Oh yeah. Um I my website is wellnesscreek.ca C-R-E-E-K. Um and I'm also on Instagram under the same handle, although I'm really consistently inconsistent on Instagram uh, because I find that my joy comes mainly from like these kinds of connections human to human connections and I the social part of it I'm not so uh, strong at so I'm you're better off to contact me through my website um, wellnesscreek.ca. And then we can just have a conversation about what's present for you and and what you might be needing. I do also work with corporate teams, bringing breathwork into the corporate space, especially in this world where people are coming back to the office and have just spent three years being told that it's unsafe to breathe beside their coworker, just noticing a lot of disruption in that. And so just helping, helping people feel safe to breathe in their workspace as well, because our, our work is so much a part of our life. And that's that, that ripple effect like we were talking about. If I can work with the leadership teams to support their employees in this, I just see that impact on their families. Um, so I do do corporate work as well in the breathwork space. Yeah. So important the dream of a world that everybody has like their
2: breath, breath break
0: right <laughs> yeah exactly exactly that's the dream for me is like have a platform that uh offers that people can log into and breathe when they need a breath and it's like we used to allow smoke breaks all the time <laughs> so what if instead we got a breath break <laughs> guys
1: yeah we like to finish up giving you the opportunity to, if you had the chance to speak to the world, what message Mm. would you share?
0: My message is a reminder that love is all there is. And I say reminder because even if you don't connect with it yet, it lives in your body. The truth is there. I do really believe that ultimately love is, is the foundation for all. So there you go, world.
2: (laughs) I love that. Thank you for that message.
1: I
0: I appreciate you guys holding this kind of space for people to share their message and also just to tell their story. I think that there's so much power in hearing, you know, glimmers of your own journey and someone else's and this reminder that it can be really lonely to be a human, but we're not actually alone in it. And we get to connect and have this community.
2: Thank you. Yeah.
1: Thank you for listening to the Deeper Awareness podcast, where the journey of self-discovery and inner growth continues to unfold. We hope this episode has ignited a spark within you and inspired you to embrace a more conscious and authentic existence. By looking within. If you enjoyed today's conversation, be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for upcoming episodes, where we'll continue to explore the transformative power of breathwork and emotional healing. Continue the conversation and stay connected with us on Instagram. Follow at Deeper Awareness Podcast to receive daily inspiration, valuable tips, and updates on our latest episodes and offerings. We'd love to hear your thoughts and insights from today's show. So feel free to share them in the comments below or tag us in your posts. Your engagement and feedback mean the world to us as we strive to continue to create content that resonates and empowers our incredible community. Together, we can continue exploring the depths of consciousness, fostering genuine connections and supporting each other on our transformative journeys. This episode is brought to you by You Belong Breathwork, your destination for transformative healing and self-discovery. At You Belong Breathwork, we believe in the power of breath to unlock the deepest parts of ourselves, leading to profound insights and a greater sense of connection and belonging. Whether you're seeking emotional healing, a deeper connection with yourself, or a path to authenticity, our breathwork sessions, retreats, and coaching programs are designed to guide you on this transformative journey. Our experienced facilitators are here to hold space for you as you explore the depths of your consciousness and discover the infinite potential within. Visit youbelongbreathwork.com to explore our offerings and download a free guided breathwork session. Thank you for being a part of our deeper awareness community. Stay connected, stay curious, and may you embrace your true essence with love and compassion. Goodbye for now, and see you in the next episode.